And today we're actually just going to look at um, what it means to be a dad and how you can handle being an imperfect one. Here's, here's the bottom line. Dads are the heroes of their kids. Uh, their kids uh, look for things uh, from their dad uh, uniquely. Um, dads lock things in for their kids. They're strong and their kids uh, look up to them. But at some point in time, kids find out their dads are not perfect. You know what I'm talking about? They're just not perfect. Um, and dads, I know some of you try to hide this, but you can't. All right? Your kids are onto it. As no matter how old they are, they're probably onto it already, and you can't hide it. So in reality, you know, dads can be heroes and ought to be heroes in the lives of their kids, but they can also be villains in their kids' lives, right? That's absolutely the case. And who knows the fall from grace for a dad can be pretty sudden. You know, um, one moment you can be killing it, not the kids, just killing it, and the next minute you're almost killing your kids. Uh, you're just kind of blowing it. You know, one minute you're kind of father of the year contender, and the next minute it's like uh, you're a zero. You go from hero to zero in a ridiculously short amount of time. So this morning I've organised... Now you can thank me later. I've organised for four dads of different age kids to come and share their hero moments and their villain or their zero moments with you, all right? Now, this is not, there is no proofreading, okay? This is new for me. So who knows what we're going to get. Some of it will probably be funny. I don't even know what the rest of it's going to be, but we're just going to enjoy it. Uh, so I'm going to get them up one by one. We'll start with uh, Matt, Matt Martin. Come on down, mate. You, you can give him a round of applause. There you go, mate. I'm just going to interview these guys. Tell us uh, how many kids you've got, what their names are, and what their birth dates are. Hayley, Leon, and Oliver. That answers the first two questions. And uh, Hayley and Leon are born 25th and 26th of November. Uh, 2014 <laughs> Sorry, I, and 2016. I didn't, I didn't tell him I was going to answer. And Oliver that. is... Uh, he's a... Uh, about a year and a bit he's, old. March he's, he's the 7th. He's under 5th. 7th of March, he's under five. 2019. See that there? 18. Lots of dads can identify going to the doctor with their kids <laughs> and the doctor going, what's the birthday of your kids? It's like, ah, oh, it's... The doctor doesn't even somewhere ask. Somewhere in there. He says, you're the wrong person. <laughs> Send in the wife. Yes. <laughs> the other three fellas, don't worry, I'm not going to do this to you. It's just... I, I, <laughs> I needed it this morning. I just needed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us about a, um, a, a dad fail. Yeah, um, it was hard to think about it because there wasn't very many. But the one or two... <laughs> Maybe we, I should be interviewing Chloe then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I said that to myself. Was yeah. like, uh, probably the one that comes to mind is Leon was uh, maybe seven months old and I have what you would describe as a long leash with my children. I can see them 300 to two kilometres away and know what they're doing. And uh, I had Leon in the pram and uh, I, Chloe said, I'll oh, keep him buckled up just in case. And I said, come on, hon. Like, are you kidding? It's a pram. It's like, leans back a bit. He'll be fine. Uh, he fell out um, onto concrete, onto his head. And a uh, six-month-old right. baby with a big old... Um, Egg on his head. Yeah, and not right. because he was being dumb. Yeah. Because of dad. So uh, right, right. I felt yeah. pretty guilty while, um, yeah. Yeah, while we paraded our son in front of yeah. family and friends. Yeah. What's a, what's a dad win, mate? Tell us about a dad win, um, something you've done well. Yeah, well, in line with the long leash, you know, it goes both ways. Um, Leon, like my two kids, before we had Ollie, we did the pyramids at Girouin, and I was in those, my kids have been 
able to really push themselves and adventure. As in we did, if you've ever been up the first pyramid, it's incredibly steep. Uh, you'd never do them in the wet. It's really dangerous. But we did both of them. Haley, you know, at four years old, walked the whole thing herself. It's, uh, I think it's four kilometers or four to five k's. Um, and Leon sort of intermittently shoulders and, and walked. But it was just incredible seeing them when you sort of release them, seeing them um, hook in. So, yeah. All right. Round of applause for Matt. Brendan, do you want to come up, mate? Give uh, Brendan Finance a round of applause. <laughs> All right, mate. How many kids? Their uh, names? Yep. You don't have to do the birthdays. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I have two <laughs> girls. Uh, uh, one, Edie, is age two, and Polly is, is five, and she's in prep. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Tell us about a dad fail, mate. Dad fail. Well, I think... <laughs> I can't imagine, I can't really remember a, a story. I think Matt was like, yeah, I can imagine a story. But I'm thinking, right before we kind of became parents, I remember um, lots of parents saying, it's going to be really challenging, it's going to be really hard. And here I am as a laid-back kind of guy coming from this seaside town going, nah, it's going to be all right. It's going to be chill. It's going to be relaxed. But I just know that uh, it hasn't been that way. Um, there's been moments where I've just... I haven't been relaxed, I haven't been patient, and I think that's my biggest fail, I think, as a dad. Yeah. yeah. Not being able to show the patience I thought I would be able to show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> I can identify with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about a win, mate. What's a dad win for you? Um, probably, probably a similar thing to what um, Matt shared, actually. We, we've been really, um, really, really proud of our two girls and the way they just love adventure, and they love being outdoors, and I had some really great memories uh, as, as a kid with my parents, um, enjoying the outdoors, going camping. Um, so just seeing the girls really enjoy that as well and, and um, be able to nurture their, their uh, um, imagination, yeah, and be able to see their imagination flow and be able to get in there and be the, the dad that gets hairdressed and uh, gets all the, the girly stuff and so does good. ponytails. No, that's a bit of a fail as well. <laughs> is that your work? Yeah, yeah, that is my work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's a, that's a fail one. <laughs> nice. Nice work. Good on you, Randall. Thanks. Awesome, Brandon. <laughs> All righty. Mick Ely, come on out. You may notice that uh, we're actually cycling through dads who have got older and older children as we go. So round of applause for Mick. Good on you, Mick. Uh, tell us how many kids, Mick, their names. I didn't realise this was going to be Dad Renovate. <laughs> oh, I didn't realise that. I've got two kids, uh, Charlie, 12, going on 19, and Kira, 11, going on about 25. Yep. <laughs> Charlie decided to stay in today, so I have to keep it above, real. Above board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us about a uh, dad fail, mate. Well, thanks, Matt Martin, um, for reminding me of uh, the times that I've dropped Charlie on his head <laughs> down escalators and off my shoulders in Grand Central onto the concrete and all sorts of different things. But uh, I thought, <laughs> you're all right, buddy. <laughs> um, the, the biggest fail, I reckon, for me is um, my use of technology. Uh, and that's what that demonstrates to my kids, particularly my phone. So, uh, yeah, I've let them down big time in that area. Yeah, yeah. What about a win, mate? What have you done well? Well, 
this is like a, a generalised thing, but I'm really happy that my kids love spending time with me, even though it, that annoys the heck out of me sometimes. Um, <laughs> they do enjoy spending time with me, and I, I, I think that is just, that's gold, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Good yeah. on you. Thanks, Mick. Yeah. Alrighty. Cole Weston, come on out, mate. Give Cole a round of applause. All right, Cole, how many kids, mate? What are their names? Two kids. Alex, he's 45. Max is 43. Yeah, great. They live, uh, Max lives in um, uh, Perth, and uh, we live with Alex and Karen and the family. That was designed that way. We live in a multi-generation house, yeah. which is going well. That's good. <laughs> and not nice that you followed up with that. <laughs> tell, us, tell us about a dad fail, mate. A dad fail, or a dad fail started right at the beginning, I think. Um, we weren't Christians when we first got married. Well, we were English, so nominal Does that Christians. make you Christian, does it? Well, uh, Kind of. Yeah, but when the church once, you know, in my life before that. <laughs> okay. And um, I was, uh, we, we moved to South Africa when Alex was about two and a half. And uh, I was, uh, if you go to a place like South Africa, Australia's probably similar if you're not a Christian, but South Africa was very similar to what I found here when I came here, that um, you soon hit the bottle. And I was drinking rather heavily. And now I come to my senses and um, found the Lord. So that was a, that was a, a loss first. Yeah. Uh, but um, thankfully, the Lord, uh, the Lord found us and... Um, that's so good. That's a good story, eh? Yeah, that's a gospel story. It's, yeah, it's uh, a gospel story. It's yeah. good news. Yeah. It's, that's yeah. good news. That's yeah. good news. Yeah. Then we moved here. Uh, both both boys were baptized here, and um, we all found the Lord. Um, how long have I got? <laughs> oh, I don't know. About forty minutes. No, Alex. Uh, Alex was one of those kids. I don't know whether anybody's got a kid like this. You tell him not to do something, and he w- he did not do it. Don't touch that. We didn't have to move anything up. Got to sixteen, completely turned around. Ma- Ma- Max was a tearaway when he was a kid. Got to his teens, no problem at all. He studied. He went through. He didn't study at school, but he went through, and uh, got his. Um, whatever he wanted to do, which was architecture. And uh, so what's, what's taught me is that um, uh, two are not... Two sons, fairly close together, completely different. Yeah. Both found the Lord. Unfortunately, both backed off at the moment, but we're praying and praying that um, they will come back to the Lord. They've both got families, so yeah. they're, uh, they're doing OK. It's not over yet, mate. It's not over yet, no. What, what's a win? What's a uh, dad win, mate? I mean, we heard win, some in there, but... I think a dad win is... With a, we've always been a very close family. Um, obviously, we've had our ups and downs. We've lived in two different countries, three different countries now. Um, and that brings its own problems. Um, but generally, I think the win is general, that um, we've all stuck together. Yeah. We've all stuck together. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Give me a round of applause. Well, 
you some more from those guys later. I've uh, invited them to come and uh, pray a blessing at the end of the service today. Uh, part of what it means to be a dad is handling the good and the bad stuff, which comes from your parents and your dad in particular. And uh, whilst uh, we're in here doing this stuff, the kids are actually out uh, today uh, grappling um, in Project Kids about how do I handle the imperfections of my dad. Uh, he can be a hero sometimes, he can be a zero other times, and the way that kids respond to that is critical. And I would just say that to you all today. Uh, it's unusual to ever meet someone that doesn't have some kind of dad issues. And there's a responsibility on you to learn and to grapple and to grow through the, uh, the mark that your, uh, your parents and your dad in particular has left on you. Um, but in here, we're going to look at what does it mean to be a dad who's imperfect and how do you handle doing that. Here's the bottom line for you today. Your kids are not looking for a perfect dad. All right? They're looking for an honest one. That's what they're looking for. Um, they have a perfect dad in God himself. Uh, they know that you're not perfect and that you won't be perfect. They need you to be an honest one that leads them well. And we're going to look at a dad in the Bible who is a classic hero, zero dad, a hero, villain dad. And I'll uh, have all the scriptures on the screen for you today. And it's Noah. That's who it is. Uh, Noah. Um, Noah shows up in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 8. I'll just read this. I'll make a few comments as we go through. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, the last time that the Bible said the Lord saw something was in Genesis chapter 1. And what did God see? God saw that it was good. And he sees that it's good numerous times in the creation account. What have we got here? We've got the spread and the infection of evil has covered everything. What an amazing contrast from one moment where everything is good and now everything is only evil all the time. And it's not just actions, it's right down to the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I've made them. And there's beautiful verse at the end of that. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. We're only up to the sixth chapter in the Bible and everything is a mess. The work of creation has been undone. Our wickedness now is great when goodness was great and pervaded everything. And God's bummed about it. There's bitter anguish in his heart. The stage is set, really, isn't it, for the full unwinding of creation. You can see that there. I'm going to blot out man. I'm going to kill everything. That's the full unwinding of his good creation. And in the middle of this, Noah. (laughs) Noah. Noah was a good man. Read these sections out of uh, Genesis 6 to 8. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And again, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. 
Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, dot, 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 he did well again. Noah's a hero. That's what he is. He's a dead set hero. He finds favor with God. It doesn't say he, he earns it. He finds favor with God. He's described as a righteous man. Noah's a good man. He's a blameless man. He's without defect. He's not sinless, but he's without defect. That's the idea of the scripture here. And Noah walked with God. And the only other person up to this point that's talked about as walking with God is Enoch. You know that in uh, Genesis 5. Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. The famous, the famous verse. Um, this idea of walking with God is that Noah walked with God in a very special way. He walked in his presence. He was with him. Now, Noah was a good guy, right? This is what we're meant to take away from this section. He was a good guy. He goes in, he builds the ark, saves his family and humanity from certain death. He's a man of faith. He makes the list of heroes in Hebrews chapter 11. And here's my question for you. Would you want this guy for your dad? Totally, right? He smashes it in every way possible. I'm not sure what else you'd want. <laughs> what else would you want? Uh, I remember when I was a young kid having this conversation, like you have weird conversations. This is one of them. Or maybe I'm the only one that does, and if I do and it entertains you, then that's a plus, right? But... Um, I remember as a young guy having this conversation with my, with my mate and I was trying to prove to him that my dad was a better dad than his dad, right? And I said, my dad's got a better weed whacker. That's what I said to this guy, right? And that was kind of the, that was the currency to work out whose dad was a better dad. What about Noah? Imagine being able to say, uh, my dad built a really big boat and it saved the world from utter destruction, like, that's it, right? It's, it's, okay, you're done. It's like, if my dad didn't exist, no one would exist. Now, let me just make a couple of comments quickly. Dads, you need to be like this. You need to be like Noah. Be blameless. Be righteous. Follow after the things that God wants you to, that God wants you to do. Follow after his will. You are the lock for your family, gentlemen, not your wives. And so you need to lead. And you might go, it's lonely. And I just go, well, welcome to leading. Leading is lonely. You need to work out what God wants you to do and you need to get about doing it, right? And you need, not, you need to not ride on the coattails of your wife. Get after it. Lock your family in. Set the standard. Take leadership in your family. Get up in the morning. You go, well, I, you don't know how hard it is for me. And I would just say to you this morning, like, just do what you need to do. God has got all the help that you need to get your crap together so that you can actually lead your family well. You with me? Those are the kind of men that our culture desperately needs. Those are the kind of men, those are the kind of fathers that your children need. All right? And the reality is that there are wives all over the place that are married to Christian men who feel like they've got to carry the can. 
It's not their job to carry the can, gentlemen. It's your job. It's your job to carry the spiritual can in your house and get after it. Get after it. But Noah wasn't just a good man. Noah was a bad man as well. This is after the, uh, the flood has, uh, is all over. Noah began to be a man of the soil. He planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay naked in his tent. Two things that go together often, nakedness and drunkenness. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward and they did not see their father's nakedness. Here's what we've got. We've got this righteous, blameless man, plants a vineyard. And, you know, if you, if you like to read stories at this point, you're just going, okay, something's coming, because this is weird, right? We're talking about vineyards. Okay, we, we know what's coming. And what, what happens? He, he obviously had fruits. He takes the wine. He, makes, he, he takes the, uh, the fruit. He makes wine out of it, and he gets drunk, and he lays naked in his tent. You know, part of, I think, what's going on here is, uh, is shame. Uh, there's nakedness, there's drunkenness. The Old Testament is clear about nakedness being inappropriate to, uh, to the presence of the Lord, that we need to, we need to be covered. Uh, and what happens next is critical. What happens? Well, Ham comes in, sees his dad, and his dad's no longer the hero at this point, is he? And what he does next, what... What Ham does next is critical. Instead of covering his father and his father's shame, he exposes his father's shame and tells his brothers about it. His brothers come and they do something different. They back in with a garment. uh, They cover his nakedness. They didn't look upon their father in that state. In the end, Ham's descendants get cursed and Shem and Japheth's get blessed. Let's just read that. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. Genesis 9, 24 to 27. This is it, right? Noah is the quintessential hero and villain, isn't he? In terms of being a dad. So good for so long and then he blows it. And it has massive, far-reaching effects. So what do we do? Well, this is every dad to varying degrees. The way that the sons handle it, their father's imperfection, is critical. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Good and bad came from your parents. Good and bad came from your dad. And uh, I'll just really encourage you, if you've never uh, seen it or heard of it, Alan Meyer has just got an awesome um, talk that he does called The Parenting um, Paradox. And it is so worth watching because one of the points that he makes there is everyone's got an imperfect father and what you do with your imperfect father and how you handle your imperfect father will actually determine your destiny and how you go forward. And he uses Noah as an example. He uses David, 
King David as an example. Look it up. Just type it in the Parenting Paradox, Alan Meyer, and you'll find a YouTube video, video of it out there. would be really helpful. And this is what the kids are doing in PK today. But what about the way that we handle being imperfect dads? This is critical in the way that our kids do life. And so what I want to do is I want to throw out four practical suggestions for the dads today about how to handle being an imperfect dad. Here's the first one. Dads, you can't be perfect. Um, Your children already have a perfect dad and that's God himself. You can't be. It's not going to happen. You can pretend or try to pretend that you are perfect and you get stuff together and uh, cover up all of your mistakes but that actually isn't the kind of dad that your kids need they don't need one that pretends to be perfect and covers up their mistakes you are their hero but like many heroes that we see now you're a fallen hero think about your kids for a moment dads they aren't perfect So what kind of person would be a really good person to lead your kids through a broken, fallen world? Well, not a perfect one. That's not going to help them that much. Not a perfect one. What's going to happen in your family if you pretend that you don't get stuff wrong? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing is that they're not going to believe you. That's the first thing that's going to happen. And secondly, they will feel like they're never going to be able to live up to your standard. Ever. They are going to get things wrong. You know that. They get things wrong. You get things wrong. And there's a great opportunity for you as a father to teach your children about what to do when you get something wrong. But if you pretend like you don't get things wrong or you try to cover them up and you justify yourself, that's not going to help them. It's just going to mess with them. We want to teach, dads hear me, we want to teach our kids to learn how to be good fallen people. (laughs) Seems weird, right? But that's what we're doing. How do you be a good sinner? And I don't mean sinning lots, I mean when when you fail, when you blow it. How do you do that well? How do you handle that well? I remember talking to one of my children about one of their failures. Just give me a minute. I was talking to one of my kids about one of their failures and um, they said to me, they said this to me, right? It's okay for you because you never make a mistake. Now for me, you know what that is? That is a warning shot over the bow. There's a problem. My kids don't realise or think that I'm getting stuff wrong. I tried to convince him otherwise. But you know what? He wouldn't believe me in the moment. So I walked away and I thought this. I need to talk about my failures more often with my own children. They need to know that I'm not perfect. All right, number two. Fathers. Live the gospel before your kids. The gospel is the good news, similar to what Colin shared before, that we have sinned and God has come in the person of Jesus Christ to take the punishment due to us and to give us forgiveness and grace. Your kids will fail, like you, 
And when they do, they need a reference point about how to do it well. I think that the way that you live out your imperfections in front of your children can teach your kids powerful things about the gospel. So here are a few questions for you, dads. How long since you have apologised to your children? You do sin against them. You do sin against them. How long since you've apologised to your children? And I, oh man, I would, you can argue the toss with me on this one, and that's okay. I think you should ask for forgiveness from your children as well. Don't just say what you did wrong. Don't even just say what you did wrong and that you're sorry for it. Go the full tilt and ask for a transaction from them. I'm sorry I did this. Would you please forgive me? Now, you need to be a little bit careful about it, all right? Uh, about when you do it. You've got to be careful about your timing. Um, if your child is actually sinning and the way that you're responding to your children or your child is to sin against them, maybe by, let's say, getting angry at them, for example, and saying things that you regret, if they're actively in the middle of a, in a place that's not healthy and not right, if you say sorry in that moment, you just need to be wary of the fact that they're going to feel like it justifies the things that they've done, all right? Now, you just, just be wise. Just be clear about it. You may actually want to just uh, slow down uh, in that moment, just kind of pin it and just go, I'm going to come back to that later. We're going to deal with what's going on with my child here and then we'll come back to that later. I'll, I'll clean up my mess with them later on. Uh, so just be careful about that. Here's another question. How long since you told them about an area of failure in your life that you're working through with Jesus? How long since you told them about that? You have to go to the deepest, darkest thing. When was the last time that you were open with your children about needing someone else's help that you couldn't do it all on your own? Or this one. When was the last time you walked into their room and sat on their bed and said, I need you to pray for me because I'm struggling with something? Now, you don't have to do that all the time and you've got to be careful about that stuff because kids are looking to their dads for a lead. But here's the bottom line. You should find something, I think, every now and then where you just go, you know what, I just can't work this out and I'll go in and I'll ask my kids to pray for me. Teach your kids, don't misquote me on this, teach your kids how to be a good sinner. Teach them the gospel by the way that you parent them and the way that you talk about your weaknesses. Now, if you're a dad, you've heard of Seinfeld. I'm going to show a Seinfeld clip because uh, this is one about dads. Uh, it's great. So if we can get some juice for it because uh, you just need to hit the first bit because he's talking about dads. You ready? Here we go. All fathers are intimidating. They're intimidating because they are fathers. Once a man has children, for the rest of his life, his attitude is, the hell with the world, I can make my own people. <laughs> I'll eat whatever I want, I'll wear whatever I want, and I'll create whoever I want. <laughs> well, Seinfeld's not quite right on that one. Uh, fathers, you, you work on behalf of another. Uh, there's a, uh, a term used for rulers that would rule for another in another country, and they're called viceroys. Uh, a viceroy is someone who represents a king or a queen in another country and they rule on the king or queen's behalf. And I want to just say to the dads, look, you are not the king or the sovereign in, in your family. 
You're just not. You, you rule and you lead and, and you bring about good and order in your house on behalf of another. You are under authority just like your kids are in your house. So Ephesians 6 verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the, of the Lord. That's what you're to do. You've, you dads have been given a job. Uh, get it done. <laughs> Discharge it well. Uh, God is with you and he's, he's there to help you. Uh, here's, here's a reality, and this is for mums and dads. Your children do not ultimately belong to you. You are stewards you're to give oversight. They belong to God. What does God want you to do? Well, Ephesians 6 verse 4 tells us that you need to do the job of bringing them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And do you know what this does? One of the positive things that this actually does is it means it's, it's okay if you blow it, if you don't get there. You know, you can, you can revisit the job that God's called you to do when you don't quite get it right. Because at the end of the day, dads, our job is to imitate the heavenly dad, isn't it? And he gets it right all the time. So, God, would you just help us to imitate you? The other thing this does is it uh, clarifies the fact that in the midst even, uh, for example, dads of a disciplined situation... The dad is accountable and the child is accountable. This is one of the things I've said to my kids. You know, you get in the middle of a dis- discipline situation and, and often with children what they'll do is they'll push back on the dad and say, you're just doing whatever you want. You're just taking advantage of this. This is an abuse of power by you. And the dad ought to not be abusing power and not doing the things that he wants, being a sovereign in his own right. The dad ought to say, I operate on behalf of another and I will answer to him for the job that I do. Amen? That's, that's a reality. And so for the child, you will answer for honouring and obeying your parents, your mother and your father. The father will answer to God for the job that he's done in raising the children, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It also means, uh, dads, that all is not lost when you don't know what to do. <laughs> like you operate on behalf of another. He always knows what to do. You get to a situation in your family where you just go, what the heck am I going to do with this? I don't know what to do. Well, don't just fake it. Like fake it till you make it. All right? You could just slow down a little bit and just go, okay, uh, I'm under orders. <laughs> I'm under orders to do this job of parenting and fathering from God himself. Maybe we just need a bit of time and I just need to go and talk to the perfect dad and see if he can give me a lead on how I can handle this situation. And part of that might even be, and probably would be, going and talking to other dads and saying, what, what would you do in this situation? How do I bring my child up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord? Buy yourself some time. This is uh, one of the... If I could, it's probably one of the wisest things that you could ever do is not feel like when you get in the middle of a tight moment that you've got to have an answer or you've got to have something sorted out straight away. Almost nothing is urgent. And most things feel urgent. So just pin it. <laughs> pin it 
take some time and work it out because it's more important that you're steady and wise and being a good dad than it is that you have an automatic or quick response. Buy yourself some time. Here's the last one this morning and uh, then I'm going to be done. Fathers, let your, chi- your kids know the real you. Uh, some time ago I had a conversation with someone and we were talking about who the real us was on the inside and how we don't always let the real us be known. They asked me this question. They said, do you think it's okay, Peter, if it's only your spouse that knows the real you? And I asked, I said, well, who are your children relating to? Who's that person? The conversation moved on. Now, I'm not telling you, and I'm not saying that you need to tell your children everything, but what do they know about you, dads? What makes you tick? Do they know why you get up in the morning? Do they have a good understanding of your strengths and weaknesses, the way that God's made you? Open your heart up to your kids. Be wise about it, right? Sometimes I think one of the things that can happen is people think, oh, I'll go in and I'll tell them everything. It's like, well, no, they can't handle everything. So don't tell them everything. But you can tell them something. There's a middle ground in between not telling them anything about who you really are and telling them stuff that's going to be unhelpful to them. Find that middle ground with your kids. Be personal with them. I'm done. Your children don't need you to be a perfect dad, dads. They need you to be an honest one.